This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be talking to adult industry writer Ralph Greco. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. With ASB Cash, you'll have the chance to earn as much as 20% of our broker commission, referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check our website at asbcash.com for more details. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're offering a rapidly growing hair shaving site. This site shows women getting their head shaved. It does not show explicit content, so it is much easier to promote than most adult sites. The site creates an environment for their customers where they feel like they're getting invited to the party of their hair fetish dreams. They love using slogans like, come join the party. There's a sister site that is a unique method of hosting their videos in a discreet manner for their customers. The site is fueled by redirects. This is essentially the brains of the whole operation. It handles the billing and rebilling, user information, and video displays. There's also a separate forum and a download store that did $5,000 in sale the first month alone. There is no paid advertising. They go directly to their customers with targeted SEO, YouTube videos, and social media. The community for this niche is very loyal, and the members will help any way they can to see sites like this grow. They'll donate. Some will even do work for the site for free. This site has a lot of room to grow with a little more time and investment. There's a mailing list of well over 1,100. Models' hair can be sold for thousands of extra dollars. There are trained producers for these shoots who would be happy to stay on after the sale. This great site is available for only $480,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is adult industry writer Ralph Greco. Ralph, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Now, Ralph is a professional writer of blogs, columns, reviews, interviews, fiction, poetry, let me get my breath, uh, songs, SEO copy, and one-act plays for both mainstream and adult clients. Now, Ralph's short fiction, both erotic and mainstream poetry, and essays have been published in eight countries, in major market magazines and small press, in various anthologies, and single author short story collections. Ralph's one-act plays have been published in a complete collection as they've been produced across the U.S. His self-penned, self-produced, salacious songs and dirty words theater show have been performed off-Broadway in New York City. I love that. I love that name. Now, Ralph is also an ASCAP licensed songwriter and recording artist, and he teaches classes across the U.S. at kink conventions. Ralph just launched a music site, Ralph Greco, that's spelled G-R-E-C-O, music.com. And he has a podcast called Licking Non-Vanilla. I love it. Now, Ralph, uh, you're, you're a professional writer of songs, fiction, web, copy, and yeah. plays, so a wide range of material. 
Do you have a favorite type of writing among all the stuff you do? Oh, yeah, I don't. It's a tough one. You know, I, it, it comes by, you know, assignment or, you know, I always say, it's always, I say this all the time. I say I'm a hack, basically. You know, the, <laughs> the work comes in. I don't, I don't wait for the muse to come, to come tickling my balls. You know, I'm going to do it when the work comes in. But I would say out of all the things I write, the, the thing that has my heart the most is the songwriting. Um, but that's something I do mostly for myself. I'm not usually commissioned to do that for for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I was I was in the game, uh, the music business, for a while mm-hmm. uh, when I was younger and could fit into you know spandex pants. <laughs> and uh, and now that I'm uh, you know older, I I don't pursue it in the same way. I'm still a professional musician, and I'm still pursuing it professionally. But I, and you know the music business has changed greatly, so I don't pursue it in the same way, and it has more of my my. Uh, it's more. I hate to use this word, but it's more more of the art for me than anything mm-hmm. else. You know, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Yeah, I think musicians who do other things, that's always going to be their first love. And I, I probably could have fit into spandex pants too, but I would have looked terrible. Why? <laughs> why is songwriting your favorite uh, type of writing? That's the the purest expression, I think, from what's in my head and, and my my marrow. It, it seems to come out directly. You know, I just get get my mm-hmm. acoustic guitar and I go. And um, and also, if I want to get that out or have it heard or performed or whatever, I can. It's it's usually more direct, and I can see the reaction immediate from from somebody who's listening as opposed to you write a you write a short story i don't get to experience the people reading the short story yeah. to see what they feel yeah. only if somebody writes me back and tells me how, you know if they liked it or not so i think it's probably just the immediacy of the of of what it is with the songwriting yeah uh, next time we'll have you have your guitar on yeah, uh, yeah. now <laughs> uh yeah maybe we need a new theme song now Absolutely. how did you get into erotic writing in the first place well, I've always been a writer, always, and I've been trying to publish for a while. What happened was, back in the day, and uh, there was, I guess this is like, I'm take, thinking mid-80s, mid to late 80s. I had a friend who was going to do some voiceover work for a guy who who ran an 800 and 900 number uh, call-in service. Mm-hmm. And this is you know, before, even before, he had it all on servers, but it was not on the computer. It was you just call in, and some girl would would be reading a sexy story mm-hmm. and when we went over to his apartment because she said well come with me i'm not sure if this guy's on the up up so come with me just to make sure so i went with this girl and her friend and we met this couple and they were really great people and as we were there she was reading some of the stories and had me read some stuff in the stories some dialogue mm-hmm. and somewhere along the way he said uh we got to talking about it if he needed a writer and I said, I, you know, I've been thinking about erotica for a while. Uh, I'd love to get into this. So I started panning 800 and 900 phones, pre-recorded phone sex scripts. And wow. that's how it started. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. It was back, you know, back in the day when you could do that kind of thing. It's not like that anymore. But, but it was a lot of fun, actually. And a good, a good way to get my, my feet wet, you know. Well, I mean, I mean besides, uh, ooh, baby, baby, I'm getting wet. Mm-hmm. I mean, what... Right. Uh, <laughs> well, with scenarios, you know, you set up a scenario, right? And the eight hundred number, the nine hundred number was was more explicit. The eight hundred mm-hmm. number wasn't, so there were certain specific rules to follow, yeah. which was a good challenge for a writer because you could only write a certain parameter. And mm-hmm. yeah, there was a lot of you know you had to get to the the meat of the subject 
set it up and get to the, <laughs> the heat. Was, was, that a, was that a, the meat of the subject? Was that a pun? Hey, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess you could say that. But uh, so you'd get to you get to this, you know, slot A equals into slot B stuff quickly. But you had to, you know, the, and it was typical scenarios. You know, oh, a principal, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that I, I you know, I'm sorry that I, I was tardy three times this week school you know that kind of thing was that it was in you know a lot a lot of women frolicking and you know and, and uh you're gonna have to girls, you're gonna you know, have oh, to I, punish I me <laughs> exactly but it was it was a hoot and a half and the girl the oh, girl wow. i went with was it was a good friend so she was fun watching her read this stuff <laughs> and then the next time i came back i gave him a couple scripts and he bought them and i was on my way that's great yeah um, it was real fun it was real now fun. now what kind of erotic writing are you doing these days well, the fiction I do is pretty much niche based around BDSM, you know, mm-hmm. and spanking kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, but I do a lot of cross genre. I like to get satire and science fiction and erotica in when I can, all in one story. Um, and that's that's what if you would ask me my favorite type of uh, fiction writing. That's my favorite type when I can when I can mix satire mm-hmm. and either some sort of fantasy or science fiction element with erotica. That to me is really a hoot and a half. I really like that a lot. Okay. Now it seems like everybody these days has a podcast, even me. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. What do you do to make sure your podcast is unique and worth listening to? That's a real, that's a real good question. And I'm sure you search for the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I do the club podcast with a fellow writer, uh, M Christian. And uh, he's somebody I've known for a long time, a, a fellow erotica writer. And he's also a guy that I teach the uh, teach classes when we had King Conventions at one point. We were teaching our classes there. And anyway, um, so we get on the podcast, and I, I try not to – we were initially going to make it about erotica writing. But then we realized that's a little too – maybe it's a little too tight. You know, I don't know if many people are going mm-hmm. to – tune in, but I don't know how many people were. So I, we try to keep it as in, as inclusive as possible and, and it's, it's interesting, but you have to, I feel, you have to kind of take it away from yourself as much as possible and keep it relatable to the outside. You know, you know, think about the audience. I'm always thinking, I, because I think because of, I'm a performer, I'm always thinking about the audience. I'm always mm-hmm. thinking about somebody coming sitting in a chair and never heard this song before. I have to engage them. Yeah. Same with the podcast. I'm thinking, these people don't know me. And like you just said, there's tons of podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. So I have to be engaging and interesting and not so, uh, this is just about me. This is just about what I'm doing. And a lot of podcasts I hear are, are the guy gets on or the girl gets on, and they're talking about their little minutia, their little world. And I don't know how interesting that is, to tell you the truth. And yeah. also, we try to get on as many guests as we can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the answer is it's not very interesting, and unless you're a celebrity, um, talking about uh, minutia isn't really going to get you very I, far. I agree. I agree with you, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, but we but the world we live in is is the we're we're used to tweeting and twatting and posting about ourselves all the time, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what we do, yeah. and uh, I don't because I'm such an evolved human being. But that's a different <laughs> story. But but what happens is that becomes this this cent you know, this, this kind of this egocentric view of the world mm-hmm. that we have something to say that's so important that somebody's just got to come onto our podcast to listen to us because we're such a hoot and a half. But like you just said, unless you're a celebrity, um, I don't think it's all that interesting. So you better make yeah. it damn interesting. 
somebody and work hard to make it interesting. As you know, that's what you do. Yeah, you well, know? I mean, my philosophy on it is I'm going to bring people on that are going to be interesting, like yourself, to other people in, in our industry. Right. And the key is to bring people from all aspects uh, of the industry, plus yeah. offer something to them about what we do and give them free information, which we end mm-hmm. our we end our podcast with uh, uh, tips on buying and selling websites. So if they want to buy and right. sell their own websites, go for it, right. man. Right. But right. that's well, that, that's yeah. the best way. That's the best way is to give it away for free. Right? Yeah, I think I think you got to. There's got to be a reason they're tuning in and or mm-hmm. saying and not only tuning in but staying with you. Yeah. Not, not staying with the, with a whole pot the whole episode as much as coming back next week to listen again or whatever yeah. you're going to be you know. So there's a, there's a but but that the onus is on I think that's the thing I think uh, the performer and or the podcaster or whoever you the onus is on us to deliver 100%. Yes. And we can't ever forget that because mm-hmm. that that's really important, you know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, you also teach at kink conventions. What do you mm-hmm. teach, and what's that oh, like? We, well, when they we, had them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we um, it was well, actually we did Chris and I. Our favorite class to do there was a was a writing course. So we did an erotica writing course, which was mm. a, which was a boot and a half. It really was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did we did um, you know all various different. A lot of our classes are centered around a lot of softcore, you know, play. And fun stuff, and nothing. We we, we didn't do anything hardcore. Uh, although those can convent, king conventions can run from the you know the novice all the way up. Oh you yeah, know? and they usually do. They have a wide variety of people at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was a it was a lot of fun. And we Chris and I got to travel across the country. And because Chris lives in a different, he lives in Oregon, so I live in ah. New Jersey. So we we would meet at certain like Vegas or St. Louis. And we met a lot of great people. We got to, you know, hawk our books a little bit and get known. And mm-hmm. it was it was really a lot of fun. I, I met some of the best people ever at those conventions because those are people who were there for a weekend to have a great time, mm-hmm. let themselves have a little fun. But nobody's nobody's taking anything so serious, and everybody's everybody's real respectful and and really it was just and and we get to travel to cool places. You know, go to Vegas for free. So. Why, you know, we're having a great time. You know, I have a I have a client in Vegas too, so it was good mm-hmm. to always go there and touch base and say hi. You know, um, so that kind of stuff was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I used to think Vegas was cool until I went there for about the eighty fifth time, and then I was like, <laughs> "This isn't cool anymore." <sighs> yeah, well, and and I'm interested. I think we all are uh, in some way to see how, what what happens now. Yeah, you know what how things are going to return and uh, oh sure. Yeah, I mean, I think we're I think we're all interested about that across the board. I try not to get my mind so much on any of that stuff, but yeah. it, it's obvious, you know, that there's going to be some some interesting tweaks and shifts mm. of the way we do things. So, yeah, I mean, living out here in Asia, um, I, I feel really bad for my brothers and sisters in uh, in America and other countries that have been hit so hard by COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I happen to live in the country that was that has been affected maybe the least in the entire world and has maybe done the best job of dealing with it. So I, I, I consider myself extremely fortunate. <laughs> Plus, we're not overrun by tourists. There's no tourists. So um, right. while I feel bad for the people who work in the tourism industry, it's like heaven right now. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's definitely. I, I, I constantly, you know, people people were using that term, the new normal, and I say there's nothing mm. normal about anything that's happening. You know, no. nothing normal at all. You know, and, and I don't think no. anything good is coming from it either. To tell no. you the truth, but no. that's, you know, the only good things that have, that are coming out of it, I think, are what's happening with the environment. Um, mm-hmm. Is that the environment isn't being as damaged as it normally would. Um, at this oh, point, oh yeah, well, people aren't out in it, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. You yeah, don't have right. air, you don't have as many airplanes in the air. You don't right, have as right. many cars moving around. Uh, right. You don't. Yeah, I mean, it's not as many boats, uh, yeah. not as many uh, cruise ships. So the things yeah. that are probably the most damaging to the environment are being taken away for the time being. But no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think the word normal is ever going to be what we consider normal again. I, I can't, yeah. I can't see it, but you know, I'm sure there will be some good for it as well. Um, yeah. um, so what are the, in your, in your view, what are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about those of us who work in the adult field? I, you know, one of the things is that dirty stuff is on our mind constantly. Now it's on my mind constantly. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, um, I was going to say, why isn't that true? It is true, but, but, you know, I don't, we're, we're functioning, you know, we're going around the day, you know, going to the grocery store and, and petting our, 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 you know, our, our animals and, mm-hmm. and having dinner with our, with our folks. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, we're, we're just like anybody else, because I say this all the time. I live in a, a, a sub, I live on a, on a dead end street, a suburban street. If you, and if I walk mm-hmm. out, out of my door and look at the, the many neighbors houses, I, there's mul- there's a multitude of things going on behind those windows, you know, mm-hmm. things that I probably couldn't even write as good as what's going on behind those windows <laughs> as far as interesting sexual maneuvers and kinks, right? So we're all involved some way. Maybe you should knock. Sort of- maybe you should knock on more doors. Well, you know, because I know my neighbors anyway, so I know what's going on. But, <laughs> but it's just funny to think that you know it, the first the first reaction is oh you write you write that stuff. You know, and I'm like, well, first of all, everybody's thinking this stuff anyway. Everybody's engaged in their own little head, what they want and what they do, how they get it and all that kind of stuff. And when sure. I just happen to be more in the world of it. And also, what's that, what's that, that the saying about the, the cobbler's kids are not shod? So, you know, because you're in the business, you're not interested in, in it, in mm. sex in a normal way. And that's not true. I just have to no. say my libido is no different or more or less than just because I write this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it lessens my libido. Um, so I, I think that, you know, but we're, we're just normal people like everybody else. We really mm-hmm. are. We're no, we're no different than anybody. We're just doing a job. Just happen to be, this is the job we do. This, is, this is how we make money. Yeah, I, it, I, I've got to say, though, I don't look at porn the way I used to. Not that I really spent much time looking at porn, but now it's kind of like, you look at it as an insider and you look at it like, okay, and, and with more of a critical eye, and it's a business. When I had a pay site, I started to get bored at looking at, at uh, women's bodies. And mm-hmm. I thought, man, that would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's the guy, the ecological thing. But I, you know, I don't know. I, I think that I, I well, I, yeah, I, I only, I only ever watch anything salacious when I have to review it or write for it in some way. I don't, I, I've never been a bitter devotee of porn and i've never even been interested in it in any kind of level so mm-hmm. the only time I, I i watch it is net you know is to is to engage in it some way with the writing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so 
I, I my my viewpoint on it has always been this been oh yeah it's whatever it is but I don't know if it's I don't know if I would be any more interested or any less interested in it you know if I didn't wasn't in the middle of it you know writing so, it and hmm. you know so. so you do reviews um, how do you like that it's fun you know I mean um, you know what I try to do I try to and that's funny you say that word too because I really do re- consider myself a reviewer and not a critic and mm. and I and I think is important because yep. the people who, who make music or make a movie or make a, any piece of thing that they're working on, whatever, and even if it's whatever it is, I always figure let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They went out there and they tried to mm-hmm. make it, and whether you like it or not. So I try not to be so I not I try not to be a critic as much as a reviewer, and give enough in the review that if you you may come to it or not, but let you make make your your own mind about it. And not try to be so hypercritical about it. And yeah. I can be that way, like anybody else. Things set me off really well or not. But I just try not to be a critic because there's just so much criticism of of work. Hmm. And I think if you went out there and you tried to do the work, like you don't, you know, the last thing you need is somebody criticizing it. You know? Yeah. So I try, I try to be gentle and and just review it honestly, review it and say this is what it reminds me of. This is what you may like about it, and this is what's the, that's and that's as far as I go. Are you are you revu- reviewing? I can talk. Are you re- reviewing sites and also um, uh, clips and movies? Yeah, I do both. You know, um, mm-hmm. a little bit, of, uh, and I review toys. Mm-hmm. You know, I get the toy in and review it a little bit and cool. see if it works the way it works yeah mm-hmm. that's fun because you get to use it you know you get to have a toy um mm-hmm. and and you know what there's a there's a sameness to certain things sure um you know especially if you get into an, into reviewing and like niche content yep. you know it's going to be all you know femdom for mm. instance it's going to have a same it's like a, you know the same fatwa yep. but but you kind of you know you just kind of give it a you feel, find the nuances and stuff but but i i enjoy that because I know somebody put their time and energy into it, and I think they deserve at least a little bit of, you know, a little bit of my attention, enough of my attention if I'm going to review it, sure. where I could be, you know, nice about it. And, sure. and, it's criti- and not critical. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And that's that's a good thing, because I've been both reviewed and criticized in some of my yeah. life's exactly. work. <laughs> exactly. And you don't, you, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's hard enough it is, to even put it out there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get it done and put it out there. Sure. And, you know, I don't know if, if we, if we need to knock as much as, well, I don't think we need the false praise, but mm-hmm. we also don't need a, a jab. You know, who needs it? it just Absolutely. Doesn't do anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Are, what, what review sites are you working with? I was writing, this was interesting. And I, I, I write for uh, hot movies. Mm-hmm. And what's fun about hot movies is they would, they would, they commissioned me, to write essays less about the review of the movies, but more an essay about a certain subject. Nice. And then within that essay, I would reference their movies. So they had a, mm-hmm. they bought a whole spate of uh, spanking movies. So they wanted like some spanky one-on-one essays, tutorials. <laughs> so I wrote that and then I would, I would use grab their certain titles. So you, they could put them in there, you know, for SEO purposes. So, sure. you know, you would do keyword um, searching. So I was writing for them, and that was a lot. I, w- I wrote some toy reviews for a site called Tracy's Dog, which is which is actually an Asian site, and so they sent me out some some really wonderful toys. I mean, mm. well made, and um, you know, and I've worked for Adam and Eve to mm. do some stuff, and I've worked for Vivid, mm. 
back in the day, Vivid was doing, uh, Vivid and Wicked were, put, were putting out a lot of DVDs at one mm-hmm. point. They don't so much anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they have their, they have their content. So, cool. and, you know, and then, so kind of like whatever, whatever comes up, whatever somebody needs, I can kind of be plugged into it and figure it out, you know? Well, keep that in mind. Now, yeah, uh, what's been, <laughs> what's been the good and bad about the digital revolution as it relates to the adult industry and, and to your work? Well, I get well, the one thing is this kind of a thing, right? I mean, I could, I never would have been able to, to connect with people this way or mm-hmm. get over a podcast and, or have my, my books, my eBooks read, or seen, you know, years ago, I'd have to, you know, produce the book and print the book and have boxes of them in my basement. (laughs) And now I don't have to worry about this stuff. So the the digital revolution, the facility and and the convenience is just fantastic, you know, and the the connectivity. But, you know, at the same time, there is a lessening of quality, you know, because we're we're going for convenience sometimes before we worry about an obsolescence. There's built an obsolescence in things Mm -hmm. with the digital world. And uh, and then you know we we we've all experienced this. There's a great pirating problem. You know, content is being stolen and sure. put up other places. You know, and it that has we have you know you know this for sure. This we've sure. seen that dis- that comment and destroy um, cut a great big pretty bunch of big negative swatch through the industry in a lot of ways. You know, and uh, and a lot of people ran for cover. But then again, you know, we we say this all the time. If you can make a better mousetrap, and we've seen people who do, then you you can make it. I, I've worked with Neil at Clips for Sale for a while, yeah. and you know he's learned how to circumvent that digital thing where we're taking content and putting it somewhere else. He just he said, well, you know, people want lesser amount of time and content. Let's just make a site that people can load the pro- the provider can load on here. So, oh yeah, boy, you know, has he done well. Oh, and he's done any, you know, I know, I know him a little bit. We've, I've had him on my podcast and he's a great guy mm-hmm. and he's very, very transparent, very open. This is what I did. Mm. You want to come on, you got content. There's, there, there, there's what we do. Mm. And so you, he built a better mousetrap seeing mm-hmm. that the digital world was opening up. Sure. So, you know, I, I guess you, you, you know, as well as I do, you can't stop progress. So mm-hmm. what you, you just either have to find your way in there and do the things and take to the things that work for you and. The things that don't, you just, you don't get involved with. And I'm like that, like anybody else. Sure. Now, do you have a a set routine as a freelance writer? Maybe you can describe a typical day for me. Okay. Uh, Well, I get up and, you know, I have to, I have to negotiate between the two, the whatever two buxom uh, lasses have slept, you know, sandwiched me in the, at the at the night so i gotta figure out you know that's that's so it's one of you know i i, I never and i have to kiss them both on the forehead because you know you never want to get out of the bed and make them feel bad no bed, not at all instead of leaving the bed it's cold now you know yes. yeah, i feel terrible yes so yes. that's the first thing then then i hit a you know i hit the <laughs> i hit the crack pipe for a while uh-huh. and do some blow and then uh <laughs> i get up in the morning have some coffee um and i i it's funny i can write Right out of bed, I can get up out of sometimes. Well, after that, after the crack and the blow, I would think you oh, could. You're dead, right, you're dead, <laughs> right. Of but uh, but it's funny. Usually, something I I get ideas like just as you know that wakefulness state. You know, just as I'm getting up, and but I'm real good hitting the ground running in the morning. I'm real good with sitting. And I usually have four or five different things on my desktop at a time that I mm-hmm. need to get to. 
and I could usually hit the ground running and, you know, plow through coffee and a little bit of breakfast and just go mm-hmm. until sometime in the early afternoon when I, uh, hunger sets in enough that I go, oh, maybe I should stop and go get something to eat or <laughs> take a walk. But I'm pretty good mainly through the morning into the early afternoon. And then, like, if I have the podcast to do or if I have a couple, I have some um, song stuff to do, that's usually when I break to do that, like around lunchtime, you know. So, But I usually hit the ground running writing very early in the morning and just go, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Just, now, you know. now, what have been a couple of your favorite examples of your work? Well, okay, I just put out a new uh, a new book that I put out with Pink Flamingo, which is a company I've never worked with before called uh, the name of that book is No Whip, No Problem. And that's What's a, I'm sorry. Collection. What's it called? Okay. It's called No Whip, No Problem. <laughs> uh and it's a short story collection. And that's one of my more it's my most recent work and also one of my more favorite ones. So I'm trying to think what else is there's a, you know, in the erotica field there's a lot of stuff out there. I, I like, I tend to like the blogs that I write for Licking Non Vanilla. Mm-hmm. On the Licking Non Vanilla site, I write about two blogs a, a, a week. Mm-hmm. And they're pithy and fun. I have a, another column called The Sex Files, which is on a, a site in New York and LA. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fun. So, and then I have the clients I write for, and, and, and I do a lot of ghostwriting, non adult related ghostwriting. I write bios and, you know, uh, insurance how to's and all that kind of stuff, and that's ghost writing that that I don't you know, nobody knows that I'm doing that writing. But those books sure. came up, those those books out, and that's that's mainstream. That's nothing to do with the adult world, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of fun because it's totally different, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, how is your real life different or the same from your work? Well, in the erotica, I, I, a lot a lot of you know. Well, I don't know. I, I guess to, I'll be as discreet as possible. I have had a rich, fun, heterosexual existence mm-hmm. uh, as younger. And so a lot of what I write about is either the fiction is either from those experiences or, or you know, amalgamations of those experiences or mm-hmm. fantasy from those whatever. So mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a pretty good run because I was in a band in my 20s and I mm-hmm. went to a school that Four girls to every guy, so you know Ooh. things were good back in the day. Um, so I was a bit of a, you know, I had some good times. So I would say nowadays my wife, my life is a little bit calmer. Mm-hmm. I'm older and a little, I like to think my my sexual life is a little more nuanced now. Mm-hmm. But you know, back in the day, it was like everybody's. We're all full of all full of piss and vinegar back in the day. Um, so, but nowadays, and, and, and it's interesting, I was just thinking to say, yes, this question, the fiction is more nuanced now because mm-hmm. my, my life in general is more nuanced. So I, I think, um, it, you know, the art, you know, art, art reflects the f- fiction or the fiction, fiction reflects art or whatever it is. Uh, I think that's true in my, and certainly in my case. That's interesting. That's interesting. Now, uh, yeah, you mentioned when we were talking uh, before we went on that you live in New Jersey. You're from New Jersey. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your upbringing and uh, that led you to where you are today? My upbringing is more normal than you could possibly believe. <laughs> I have I have a younger sister. My folks are still alive. They're in their 80s. And they're still um, It's an Italian-American household um, <laughs> in North Jersey. And uh, 
I grew up on a suburban street where everybody knew everybody. We're in all the kids were in in and out of each other's houses, you know. And uh, it was my 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 you know Halloween time and street stickball. And I mean, my growing up was idyllic. It was unbelievably wonderful. Hmm. And I my my family is fantastic, and I get along with everybody. Everybody gets along with everybody else. So I was allowed a lot of freedoms, and I was allowed to grow in my 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 quote unquote art, you know, and, and explore the things that, that were interesting, interesting to me. And, uh, it's been nothing but nurturing. So I, it's unconditional love. I've never known anything else in my life. And, uh, it's, so I have a confidence level, not, not, I don't think I have it. And I do have a relatively solid ego, but I, I, I have a confidence level from being, from being so, um, having such good love in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I have, I've, I've been able to explore things, and sometimes things don't work out. But for the most part, I have, have been able to explore things and and have the freedoms to land up, land to do the work I do, and not feel ashamed or embarrassed by it. And uh, you know, and just just try to treat treat people nice. And that's that's mm-hmm. about it. You know, and just keep moving forward. You know, that's about all. You know. So so, where do you see yourself uh, in five years from now? I've been making inroads now to get the, re- the to get my music done. Uh, there's been it's been a long road to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of most what's most on my mind. I mean, I'm I'm doing the writing to make to make money and keep my, myself in beer and skittles. Um, <laughs> but I don't drink. I don't eat skittles. But uh, <laughs> but I've been trying to to. But right now, I would say for the in, in a foreseeable future, I'm trying. To best I can to put a lot of my energy into getting the music done, whether recorded, remastered or mixed or whatever I have to do. But that's kind of what's, that's what's most on my mind right now. And uh, that's where I see myself in the next five years, working, uh, working, working the the writing always, but working Mm -hmm. the music, you know, more to get, having a future and a goal set for that. Okay. And what do you see happening in your immediate future? Do you have uh, any work that you're currently finishing? Yeah, I'm trying to get a book done, a couple books done. Um, there's a book, there's a memoir I'm writing, a kind of, it's an erotic memoir, and, you know, I'll probably publish that um, under a pseudonym, which will be the first time I do that. Hmm. I have also, I write, I write a, with a buddy, an illustrator, I write a children's series of books. Hmm. So, which, that published. And then I have, uh, I have another book, a uh, music book I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the middle of writing. And uh, so I have a couple of things that are like, right on, I got look, I'm looking at, looking at the desktop right now. They're just on the desktop always. And they're <laughs> just kind of looking right at me and you got, you got to finish this. You got to finish this, you know? So those are the things that are immediate. If I can get those things done within the next couple months into the summer, I'll feel like I've gotten over a hump. Some, and then whatever other, other work comes in. You know? you know, you're pretty typical of uh, the creative types that I know. Do you ever feel like you try to take on too much? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't have, I really, I don't think I have ADD or BLT or ELP, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't think I have any of that. I think what what I do have is I just have, I grow bored with one thing. You know, I'm in the middle of one project and I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, let me go over there for a little while and do that. <laughs> and then let me pick up the guitar and do that. So, uh, and I'm I'm not so good at time management. So I, I have to really work at that. It, but but when a job comes in immediately, I, I I I'll tackle that. I'm very good with emails, getting right back to people because I I, I have to be. 
mm-hmm. the only way I can I can function is to is to get right out of stuff. So I'm I'm pretty good with with getting the job done. It's just that the jobs that I need to get done for myself, you know, my books that are laying out there and stuff, they'll they'll take a while mm-hmm. because I do jump from one thing to another. So I don't know if that's a creative mentality as much as it's just what I the way I I have four or five folders that are open all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So I the way. Think- I think it's the creative mentality, and uh, I, I'm kind of the same way. So I completely understand that there's always a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, right. You know, you you run into you do the podcast, you're doing this, and then somebody's somebody's contacting you through your business to do this, mm-hmm. and you you got to you got and you got to write a letter to this person, and there's all that stuff going on. But I think that keeps me at least awake. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, because uh, it it or I think I'm not sure because I always think, well, maybe if I just worked on that one book and nothing else, I'd get that book done. And it's mm-hmm. probably true, but mm-hmm. I, I just can't concentrate that way. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I so. understand. I have yeah. a, like I said, I got lots of projects that are, uh, right. that are partially done. So I get it. Of course, some of that, right. some of that is, some of that is development, but anyway, that's another story altogether. Um, you, right. you, you have more control over everything and I, the things I do are, uh, are always somewhat controlled by, uh, others getting them done. Um, yeah. Other than the adult work you do, who else do you work for? I work for a company called Arbor Books mm. and Arbor puts together me as the ghostwriter. Mm. Somebody will come to them and say, look, I want to write a book about my life or I was in the... I was in the dental business for 10 years. I want to write about that or whatever. So they come to Arbor, and Arbor as a ghostwriter. <laughs> and um, one of my biggest clients is a latex manufacturer called Dawn Matrix Designs. Hmm. And I write for her. And uh, that's a lot of fun because that's, it's a little bit naughty. But, uh-huh. but Dawn works on movies and she works on a whole bunch of stuff. So she works with Lady Gaga and all these people that, hmm. so she, she kind of, she started in the kind of the fetish field, kind of went around the back door and kind of is now use, you know, doing latex and design differently. I used to work for a magazine, latex magazine, hmm. um, fashion magazine called Von Gutenberg. It's not in existence anymore. He was an offshoot of Marquee magazine, hmm. which is a very famous one. Anyway, um, and there's a couple of the people that I write for on a regular basis who are not mainstream or not adult in any kind of way. You know, they're... There uh, happen to be like a natural path I, I work for in a in a legal company, you know. So there's a lot of that type type of stuff. I don't do any pharma or grant writing. Those are two things I don't do. Mm. I don't, that takes specific writing, um, which yeah. I don't have a talent for. And other than that, that's so really, you know. I always say I'm I'm I, I in the best sense of the word I'm a hack. You come <laughs> to me, you have a job to do, uh, and I'm I'm down for writing. You know, that's basically how I look at it. A hack in a nice way. Now, have now now have you uh, ever gotten a project that it, that's been proposed to you where you've gone? No, nah, I won't do that. The only time that's happened is when something's come across, and I, I know from the background of somebody told me something, or I learned from another source that the the person whose project it is or their company is problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 ways that I consider them problematic, and somebody else may not. I mean, like in other words, they may not ever get back to you with emails. You have mm-hmm. questions, oh, they'll never get back to you. Well, that doesn't help me at all because I have questions. I like to keep in constant contact with my clients, yep. and because they 
they can get me anytime they want. I'm I'm available for email anytime. Yes. So, uh, so some people, oh, well, they're not so communicative. Well, well that's not going to help me. Mm. And then I've been in the middle of projects where I'm like eh, a couple weeks in or a month in. I'm like, we're just not, we're just not connecting. We're not compatible. You know, yeah, we're not compatible, and that's fine because I always say no harm, no foul. I'm right. fine with that. Right. I, I, I don't want to spin my wheels or have you spin your wheels over trying to make that square peg fit that round hole. Mm. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. And mm. uh, and I've been involved in a couple of those situations. Sure. And that's fine. That's fine. Both mainstream and, and adult. That's so, fine. So nobody's ever asked you to write something that uh, you just didn't, for whatever reason, want to write? I'm not. I'm not. Nothing's coming to mind. Okay. I probably... Yeah, I don't, um, yeah, nothing comes to mind mm -hmm. at the moment. Just yeah. curious, just curious. Yeah, nothing really. Okay. Now, if yeah. somebody's interested in either coming on your podcast or just in contacting you in general, how can they find you? They can find me by writing my email, which would be, uh, I'll spell it. It's R-A-L-P-H-I-E-D-A writer. So it's Ralphie the writer at gmail.com. And then they could also go to the Licking Non-Vanilla page, which is LickingNonVanilla.com, and that's the podcast. And then, like you said at the, at the outset, too, you could find me at the music page, which is RalphGrecoMusic.com. So that's the three, with, three best ways to find me. Yes. Um, I don't have a lot of social media presence. Mm -hmm. um, that's just a, a, moral, a moral thing on my part. But, um, yeah, so that's the way they can, best way to find me. <laughs> the writer, so New Jersey. Ralphie, the... <laughs> Writer at gmail.com. Right? Yo, Absolutely. yo. Yo, I'm Ralphie the writer. Come over, I'll help you out. If you want, we'll have a little calamad, we'll hang out. Don't worry about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll have a good time. What's, I love what, it. what's forget about it mean? Sometimes it just means forget about it. Exactly. Sometimes it means forget <laughs> about it. Hey, Ralph, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult uh, Site Broker Talk. Great. And I hope we'll get a chance to do it again real soon. Maybe when, maybe when your book comes out. I love it. I love it. And you be well. I hope everybody listening stays well and their families are well. And we'll, we'll get through this. And thank you for having me on. This was wonderful. Fantastic, Ralph. My broker tip today is part four of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Trademark your site. Having a trademark instantly protects your brand and makes your site more valuable when it comes time to sell it later. Trademarking your site will cost an average of about $1,500, but should be more than worth the investment when it comes time to sell it. Show buyers ways you feel the site can make more money in the future. This includes showing them future plans you may have, traffic trends as well as sales trends, and if things are growing and you can show them how to grow it more, they're more likely to be willing to pay more for the site. Do something unique with your site. If you have competitors, figure a way to do it better. Be different in some distinguishable way that makes your site better. Your members will notice and spend more money with you. Make your site a place that people want to visit, not just to buy things or view porn. Be creative, not just one of the many. Keep thinking outside the box and make positive changes to your site. Think like a buyer when planning or updating your site. Don't think like a tech. Think like the consumer. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be talking to my friend Natalie Pannon of Mojo Host. 
And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Ralph Greco. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedland.